where all of you could hear that or not, but uh, those of you in the back didn't, there were some shouts going down the hall. I think they're shouts of joy. <laughs> Choir musicians, thank you as always. Claudia Dickens, especially a word of thanks to you for helping us. David is in Florida today. I chastised him for going where the temperature was 82 degrees, but he went anyway. Uh, he'll be back in the office this week. Please take your Bible and turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> I will touch lightly on the first four verses and some particulars in those verses. And then in verses uh, 5, 6, and 7, we'll look at some uh, particular details. And then we have, uh, this is, that's the first third of my message, and then there are two other portions which we will look at after this. Pray with me, please. Father, we have before us your precious word. We have within our hearts God the Holy Spirit because we have trusted Jesus as our Savior and when we do that, he takes up residence in our hearts. We ask that we might be the recipients of that teaching ministry of God the Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A couple of questions, personal questions, but I trust that you will answer them. We, we of course, do not ask for verbal answers. I wonder, are you growing in your faith? Think about it and answer the question in your own heart. Are you growing in your faith? Let me refine that just a little bit. Are you more like Jesus than you were one year ago? Think about it. As I live from day to day, my question to you is, as you live from day to day, are you more like Jesus today than you were a year ago? What is, a third question, your spiritual growth rate? You know, all of us notice growth, right? I mean, if you have children, if you've ever had children, you notice when they gain a pound. Those precious little babies. I often have grandparents say, well, he gained a pound this week. Of course, I know it would never be true of, uh, of the adults here, but should you ever gain five pounds in a week, would you notice that? Are you growing spiritually? Look away from the physical things. Are you growing spiritually? I want to suggest three avenues which lead to spiritual growth this morning. The first avenue comes from the book of 2 Peter. If you have your Bible open, look at it with me, please. Let me just select a couple of things out of the opening verses, opening four chapters here. Not to give an exposition of them, that's not my goal. I want to pick up at verse 5 in particular. But there are some things, there's some foundational, fundamental things in the first four verses. Notice in verse 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ. I omitted the word our, but I didn't do that purposefully. The gift of verse 1 is faith. We have received faith, Peter says. That those to whom he's writing had received the same kind of faith that he had. 
We have received that faith. It is a gift. What Peter is saying here is that faith is the gift of God. And I don't have time really uh, to, to do as much as I would like to with that, but please remember, we do not work up our faith. Our faith is not something that we work for. It is a gift of God. And that's the first thing that he talks about here. That's the first gift that he mentions, the gift of faith. The second gift that he speaks of is in verse 3. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. The second gift is everything pertaining to life and godliness. That's a mouthful. We have received of God everything pertaining to life and godliness. Third gift, verse 4. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world, a lust. The third gift that he mentions here, look at it. Again, just an incomparable mass of knowledge that is conveyed in a very short few words. The precious and magnificent promises. He's given them to us. God's precious and magnificent promises. Let your mind ruminate across some of the great promises of God right now. He has given to us all of those. So there are three things that we have been given. Verse 1, faith. Verse 3, everything pertaining to life and godliness. Verse 4, the precious and magnificent promises. Having received these gifts. Those are the foundation for responsibilities with respect to Christian living. Those are the things that we have received make it incumbent upon us to grow spiritually. How do I know that? Look at verse 5. Opening words of verse 5. Now for this very reason. What reason? The promises that he's just mentioned. The first three and four, well actually the first four verses of the foundation for what he's going to say in verses 5, 6, 7. So we have received these promises. Now he says, now for this very reason, also applying, and then he gives us a list. May I say to you before I look at the list, salvation is only the beginning of Christianity. Salvation is designed by God to issue in a transformed life. I come to faith in Christ. You come to faith in Christ. That should lead to a transformed life. We shouldn't continue the old lifestyle that we had. The things that we had that were incorporated in our old lifestyle should be done away with by the grace of God and by the enabling of the God, the Holy Spirit. Because we have received those things, it is incumbent upon us. Let me put it another way. Possession of the truth that is listed in those first four verses. Possession of the truth demands progress in the truth. We possess these truths. And Paul says, for this reason, build on that. In verses 5, 6, and 7, he's going to tell us some things that should be built on it. 
And these, I believe, are things uh, which reflect spiritual growth. We ought to be applying these things. We ought to be gathering these things, and they ought to be becoming part of our Christianity. We've got the promises of God delineated for us. Now, Peter says, put these things with the promises of God. Dr. McGee had an unusual gift for putting truth in very simple terms. He said, after a person is born again, he should not stay in the crib saying da, da, da the rest of his life. Nor should he need to be burped every so often. He should get to a place where he begins to grow. And my question to you and to me this morning is, are we growing in the Lord? Or are we still in the pulpit? Or, excuse me, uh, still in the bassinet saying, da, da, da. Does the Sunday school teacher, the deacon, the preacher have to burp us every once in a while to keep us going? Dr. McGee said, we ought to get to a place where we grow. We are early in the year. Why not make it one of your goals to grow in the Lord and to begin today, not tomorrow, but today, to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ today than we were yesterday. I'm afraid that we are so taken up with this general living that we don't think about that anymore. We get through one day, we go home and eat, we read the paper, we watch TV a little while, we go to bed, get up tomorrow and do the same thing again. And spiritual growth doesn't enter into it. I'm concerned about that as a pastor. What are the things that we should add to the faith that has been given to us? There are actually seven things, and I'll move through the list fairly quickly. Beginning in verse 5, Now for this reason, because we have received these things that mentioned in the first four verses, because we've received those things, supply or add to those things moral excellence. Now, that's an interesting expression because if you'll notice the word excellence in verse 5 and then you let your eyes go back up to verse 3, that same word excellence was applied to, the, to, to, to God the Father. End of the verse, verse 3. Called us by His own glory and excellence. We have been called by His excellence. And we are to add that quality of Christ-likeness to our faith. This is just the beginning. Second, to excellence add knowledge. And primarily this means the knowledge that is spiritual, knowledge of spiritual things. Take your Bible, keep your place here in Second Peter. Turn back with me, please, for just a moment to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Two verses, 12 and 13. Hebrews 5, 12 and 13. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk, listen to this. This is blunt. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Can we handle the meat of the word of God? You're still in the grip? Da, da, da. Got to have a bottle? Got to be burped? 
Can we handle the meat of the Word of God? I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, so I'll say Paul thought that these Hebrew Christians had been in Christ long enough that they should have grown up. They should have been able to handle meat. But he says, some of you can't handle the meat. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For you are not accustomed, he says in verse 13, to the word of righteousness. Now, it's commendable to be in Christ. There's no question about that. But there ought to be, with the possession of the truth, there ought to be progress in the truth. Not, I can only handle milk anymore. I, I, I've grown past that. Someone described Christianity and the Christian life by saying that it was an initial spasm followed by chronic inertia. I like the way he put it, but it's sad. An initial spasm. We come to faith in Christ. We are in the family of God. But that coming to faith in Christ is followed by, this person says, chronic inertia. Doing nothing. Zip, zero, nada. Zilch. Well, I'm in the family of God and I'm going to heaven. And don't bug me about anything else is the attitude. Knowledge. And add to knowledge in verse 6, self-control. You know, self-control is a beautiful thing. It's the mark, I believe, of a Christian who's growing in grace. You know, it's possible for a man to conquer the whole world and never conquer himself. Illustration? There's never been a general that can compare with Alexander the Great. In ten years, he conquered the entire civilized world. And yet, at the age of 33 years, he died in a drunken orgy in Babylon. He'd controlled the whole world, but he couldn't control himself. Self-control. You know, that isn't easy. We can't control our tongues and we lash out at people. We can't control our tongues and we say things that ought not be said to anyone. No self-control. Peter says this is something that should be added to our faith. We should add this to our faith. It is a token of growing in Christ. And then to self-control, verse 6, add perseverance. This means that when the trials of life come, we don't run away. We abide under the disciplines that God gives to us. Again, verse 6, to perseverance, add godliness. This is a cultivation of a likeness of God our Heavenly Father. And we do that through the study of the Holy Scriptures. For there we have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are born into the family of God and we ought to be coming more like our Heavenly Father. You know, have you ever looked at family pictures? And you go back and you look at pictures of Dad, pictures of Granddad, maybe if you have them further back than that. And then you notice others in the line who have a great resemblance to their father 
or to their grandfather. You ever done that? We ought to cultivate a likeness to our Father in heaven. Verse 7, to godliness add brotherly kindness. I don't know about you, but quite frankly, this one gets on my toes about as much as perhaps a little bit more than some of the rest of them in this list. Brotherly kindness. I'm not going to go through the list this morning. You've all heard it many times. I've done it a number of times here at the church as well. The Greek-speaking people said four kinds of love. The one that's referred to here is brotherly love. It's the word phileo in Greek. Brotherly kindness, brotherly love. It means a love of one another. By this we read in John 13, shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you have love one for another. The people around you, the people in your neighborhood, the people in your family know that you're a Christian because of the way you love other Christian people. God help us. The world that we live in is rubbed off on all of us. Well, yeah, I know so-and-so, but. I've often wished that we could take that word but out of the English language, but then we'd have to take it out of the Bible. And, and there's some passages in Ephesians I would want to take it out of. In other places as well. Do people know that we love brothers and sisters in Christ by the way we act, by the way we behave, by the way we use our tongues? Is there genuine brotherly love? And by the way, I, 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 I know some of this is difficult for some of you, and you may think, Pastor, you're being too hard. I'm not. I'm not trying to be. I am trying to communicate what God says in His Word. And if that's too hard, grow up. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. I'll never forget it. Long stay I live. man who's a member of this church, long-time member of this church, came into my office. <clears throat> on Sunday, and he said to me, had a little bit of a difference. I didn't think it was a big deal with someone else here in the church, but I'm walking down this hall, and the person with whom I've had this difference is coming the other way, wouldn't look at me, and wouldn't speak to me. Folks, I'm not talking about some other church somewhere else. I'm talking about us, Wake Chapel Christian Church. I'm talking about us. Do we have a brotherly love? It reflects that we are saved. If there was nothing else, if you couldn't utter a word, if you couldn't do another act, would people know that you're a Christian by your love for others? Brotherly kindness, brotherly love. A couple of things to observe about love. There is a, there's a kind of love it takes. It only takes. There's another kind of love where there's a give and take. And then there is another, uh, another kind of love that just gives. The kind of love that just gives is God's kind of love. That's the highest kind of love. The brotherly love that's mentioned here is the love that gives and takes. It's not just a love that... All of us have a love that takes. We like to take. We like to get. We like to receive. There ought to be in our hearts, manifested in our living, a love where there is a give and take. And we ought also to have a love that just gives. What a challenge all these things are. A number of things, that, because of the foundational gifts that we received in the first four verses, these things ought to be added to my life and to yours. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. 
please keep in mind, God never gives to his children. God never gives to his children a task without providing the grace and the strength to accomplish that task. Love that person? You've got to be kidding, Peter. Have a brotherly kindness, an affection toward that person? You've got to be kidding. No. For God never asks that which he does not provide strength and grace to do. So if it's not there, where does the responsibility reside with us? Now, why is it necessary to do all this, Peter? Verse 8 tells us why. For if these qualities are yours and increasing. So he says we're not just to have them, but they're to increase. If these qualities are yours and increasing, look at it with me. They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will neither be useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The options here seem rather clear to me. Either we're growing and bearing fruit, or we are becoming barren and unfruitful. I don't see but those two options in the text, do you? There's no middle ground. Well, I'm doing fairly well at this. May I again quote from Dr. Vernon McGee? Out in the woods, two things are actually happening. Things which are transfigurations. The vegetation that is living is growing. The vegetation that is dead is dying. Those are the two processes which are taking place out there. And then he adds these words. And one of those processes is taking place in your Christian life and mine. We're either growing or we're becoming barren and useless, decaying. In evangelical churches today, there seems to be a prevailing opinion that there's a certain level of life and spirituality to which we can attain and just simply rest there for the rest of our days until Jesus comes or until we go home with him. And there appears little desire for a growing relationship with the Lord. I don't read my Bible very much. Yeah, I come to Sunday school once in a while. Go to BSF? You've got to be kidding, preacher. May I say to you, I do not believe that you can sustain the position from the Scriptures that you come to faith in Christ and just rest until you go to be with the Lord. I don't believe you can show me that on the pages of Scripture. We are either growing or becoming fruitless, barren, one or the other. My question, dear friends, though that's sharp, that's the way it's painted. That's the way the Bible talks about it. Again, look at it. If you have these qualities and you're, they're increasing, um, they render you, if, you're, if you don't have them, uh, they render you useless. I didn't say that. Peter did. Unfruitful. Verse 9 continues with that thought. For he who lacks these qualities is blind and, or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Folks, I believe in order to teach a lot of truths, biblical truths, other truths as well, you have to present the opposite. And that's what Peter's done. I don't like to think about 
being useless or unfruitful or blind or short-sighted or having forgotten his purification from the former sins. I don't like to think about those things. They're negative things. Very strongly negative, I think. But the other side of that is we need to grow. And I'm asking you this morning, I have already asked three different questions. Are you growing spiritually? Are you growing in your faith? That's the, all this is the first avenue. The second two avenues to spiritual growth are shorter. The second avenue of spiritual growth is simply to read your Bible. And that's why I put in your worship folder this morning, we'll track, to say to someone, just read your Bible, read it all the way through. That's a rather daunting task. This is a little piece of material that will help you to do it. I challenge you this morning, as you grow in your faith, covenant with the Lord to read your Bible through this year. Read your Bible through this year. Put this in your Bible. Got a little box you can check on it when you read it, and that'll keep you on target. Read your Bible through this year. That's a great avenue to spiritual growth. There's one other that I would mention to you. Well, let me conclude my other thought here with reading the scriptures through. I take the verse from the old King James um, because I, I just love the way it reads. This has to do with reading the Word of God. Jeremiah said, Thy words were found. Quaint way of putting it. And I did eat them. I took in the Word of God and it became the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. Thy words were found and I did eat them. And they became to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. My dear friends, that's what the Word of God will do for you. And we have the testimony of Jeremiah the prophet to prove it. They became the joy and rejoicing of his heart. Read the Word of God through in 2017. Third, it's on the back of your bulletin. The Romans road to salvation. Maybe you're thinking, well, preacher, I can go along with you on the need for the first two avenues and I will endeavor to join with you in traveling those first two avenues to spiritual growth. But you've gone too far now. Growing means we reproduce spiritually. People say, I can't do that. That's for the preacher. That's for the Sunday school teacher. That's for the deacon. That's for somebody else. I can't do that. May I say to you, God will enable you to speak His truth because you love Him and you love the person that you're talking to. And God will enable you to do that. Pastor, I can't remember all that. It's not that difficult, really. If you'll just look at the outline that's there on the Romans Road to Salvation. Romans 3.23, okay? Romans 3, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Twice 3.6, 
Romans 6. Wages of sin is, is death. Wages of sin is death. All have sinned. Wages of sin is death. What else is there? Well, then you go to Romans 5.8. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 3, all have sinned. Sin leads to death. Romans 5, wait a minute. Here's the remedy. God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And then you go to Romans 10, believe, and therein rests salvation. 10, 13. So you got 3, 6, 5, and 10, okay? That can't be too hard for you to remember. And they're very short verses. I want to commend to you. You ask the Lord, help me to tell somebody about Jesus, who he is, what he'll do for them. At least one somebody. And this is such a minimal thing. I, 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 I didn't even want to. I wanted to, to, to quantify it in a different way. But I, I backed up. Lord, help me to lead somebody to a place where they know who Jesus is. Their plot, their plight in life and what Jesus will do. Help me to do that with at least one person in 2017. That's about as minimal a request as I could make. It is an avenue to spiritual growth. Add these things to your life that we've talked about. Read the Word of God through and ask God to help you to share His love and your testimony with some, at least some one person in 2017. I put that in front of Whitechapel Church. It's January. I hope and I pray. I have prayed and I will continue to pray that the Lord will make Whitechapel Church that kind of church. Pray with me. Lord, this is not an easy task that has been outlined for us. Someone's saying right now, but Pastor, there's 66 books in the Bible. But Lord, it's your word. You really mean, Pastor? You think I can speak to somebody and tell them about Jesus? Share with them the Romans road about their plight as sinners? about the result of sin being death and then move on to tell them that while we were yet sinners, you died for us and tell them if they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, put their faith and trust in Him as Savior, He'll save them. Lord, we can't do these things in our own strength. Thank You because You have already promised to help us. Help us, we pray, O God, to depend upon you as you would grant these enablings to us. I pray, Lord, that you would make Wake Chapel Church that kind of church on the road, arm in arm, loving each other and moving toward Christian maturity. These things I ask for our good 
and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. 349. 349 in your hymnal. If you've never trusted Christ and God has spoken to your heart during these moments together this morning and you would like to publicly make your profession of faith in Him, I'll meet you here at the altar, but you don't have to come to the altar to be saved. You can ask the Lord to be your Savior. Confess your sins to Him and ask Him to be your Savior right where you sit. If you'd like to make a public profession, I'll meet you here. If you are here in this meeting this morning and you believe that God has spoken to your heart about linking your life, becoming a member of Wake Chapel Church, you come as we sing. I'll meet you here at the front. Let us pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time which we have been in your house to study your word, to be raised up in your word, and we thank you for the time that we have praised you. We hope it is glorious in your sight. We thank you for the Page family that has come to be with us. We ask your blessings upon them. We thank you for the transition of power in Washington, D.C., and we pray for the President and Vice President and the Cabinet. We know that politicians always don't tell the truth, dear Lord, when they make promises. They sometimes do not come true. But from from Genesis to Revelation, your word is true. And we can depend on everything that's in your book. Thank you for that, Lord. And one of the glorious promises that your Son and our Savior made was that he was going to ascend to heaven and going to prepare a place, a home for each one of us that knows him as Savior and Lord. And he could come back at any time. And that we all should be like John in saying, even so come, Lord Jesus. God, and direct us, dear Lord, as we leave this place, that we may be given an opportunity to let our light shine in this dark world. Go with us and protect us through this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.